Welcome to Direct-to-Video, a podcast where we review poor sequels to great movies. I'm really happy that I wasn't recording because then I don't get to talk about my birthday on this podcast, except I just except did. you just did. Way to fucking go. <laughs> happy birthday, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, I actually took meticulous notes on this movie. The first one or the second one? The second one. I, I, I took sparse notes on the first one because I don't want to talk about it for too long. Oh man, I don't, I also don't want to talk about it for too long, but we like have to talk about it a little. My my biggest issue is that like, I could talk about it for hours and it's hours of just, of awful, awful, this, it's bad, it's bad. Do we want to introduce ourselves or just jump into it? We should probably introduce ourselves. Yeah, let's, let's get this started from the top then, so. Right, so you're going to cut out the birthday part. Yes, I'm still doing that. All references to birthday will be replaced by a sound clip from this awful movie. This is not a challenge, by the way. I, I, I... Don't make oh, me man, work. I'm, I'm trying real hard not to open it with, Welcome to Direct-to-Video, VHS? Happy birthday, Andy. I still want that to be our, like, unofficial subtitle. Oh, man. Okay. Yes, welcome to Direct-to-Video. I am your host, Andres Reyes. I am also your host, Tony Robusto. Very professional. We're very professional here. I thought so. Happy birthday, Andy. God fucking damn it. Okay, so... <laughs> that was that one would be real easy to cut, though. Just so easy. Just, like, just cut that clip right out of there. Just... Yeah, you know what? The more we talk about it, though, the harder it gets. So, moving yeah, right along. Okay, moving right along. This week we watched Peter Pan and Peter Pan in Return to Neverland. In Return to Neverland. That's so weird. Okay, I mean, I get it, but... So... We have to talk about Peter Pan. Yeah, well, we had to watch Peter Pan, so we better talk about it. Because, damn, that was an ordeal. It is. A, it is a very boring movie. It is. When it opens, there's, like, bad choir music. And there's, like, five minutes of credits. And this is the least offensive part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, that's the thing, is for for the most part, the movie's really, really boring. And then the movie kind of, if I didn't know it was there, it kind of would have felt really out of left field because it just goes from zero to racism and stereotypes so quickly. Like, what the fuck? Well, I don't even think that, actually, because there's a moment early in the movie where Hook offhandedly calls the Indians the Redskins. And, like, I guess, I mean, he could be racist because he's the bad guy, but he's, like, children's character-y bad, so it sort of lets you know that the whole movie's gonna be racist. It's pretty egregious. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. But I, I kind of, before we started, wanted to cover this early scene before they get to Neverland, because there's a lot to pick out of this. Out of the, the interactions between the kids and the parents? Yeah. So, like, Mrs. Darling believes in peter pan which is already a weird start well no she she believes that peter pan is and i think the narrator says like the a symbol of like the youthful spirit yeah or like something the spirit of children like or something yeah something dumb and mr darling is i don't know if he's put upon or if he's just the biggest asshole it's poppycock i know and he's just it's ridiculous i mean yeah, your kids are playing make-believe, but that's like, okay, that's... Also, they have a dog whose name is Nana, who is their their Nana, and she is the hardest working dog in, I think, any Disney movie. 
She works pretty hard. I don't know. The dogs in the Aristocats work pretty hard for no reason. It's been years since I've seen the Aristocats because I think I saw it once and I was like, well, that was a movie. Oh, you didn't like it? It's one of my favorites. I don't think so. It was so long ago, though. I mean, I was a kid. We probably probably just somebody else in the house didn't like it. And I was like, okay. Aristocats is one of my one of my favorites. This movie, however. Ugh. I didn't know when I watched this movie that it was racist. I never liked this movie. I didn't like this movie, I'll say that, but I was not aware that, like, the first time you see Indians in this movie, their arms coming out of trees, and the second time they start every sentence with how. Oh, man. That whole, that whole everything. I know. It's just... It's terrible. It is... It's unredeemable, like there's no, like there's no defending it because even at the time it was seen as like a racist stereotype, but they went and did it anyway because it was, because it was the fifties and you could get away with just doing that. Right. Absolutely. It was just, it was so, it was so bad. But the other thing is, so let's spend as little time as we can on the Indians because we can all agree that was a bad bad idea to put into a movie and they spent too much time basically messing around with this super racist stereotype oh way too much time a whole musical number it it felt like a third of the movie i think it is one of my housemates told me that in recent cuts of the film they just cut out all of that stuff and it makes the movie like barely 40 minutes yeah long. i was gonna say that's that's gotta be like nothing that's what i was thinking when i was watching it i was like I feel like there should be an edit of this where this isn't in here, but it's too long. That's too much of the movie. Not only that, but it's so tied into the... It's like It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie, but so many things happen in between all of this stuff that if you cut it all out, a lot of the movie doesn't make sense. The scenes have to be there, or something has to be there. For continuity purposes. Yeah, there's like... Th- this, honestly, this movie is... It's boring... It's not worth watching unless you're like a, a like a Disney historian. It's it's just a, it's completely forgettable. Which we have sort of we have sort of built ourselves <laughs> up to be at this point. Episode three, Disney historians. A couple of facts about this film that I thought was interesting. Disney wanted to make a Peter Pan film the moment they were done with Snow White. He wanted it to be their second film, but he had a lot of trouble getting the rights. Sure. Yeah, because Barry gave him to a hospital. Yes, a children's hospital. When he finally secured the rights. A a quick aside, when you search Peter Pan on IMDb, you get the superior 2003 live action film. I can't say I've seen it. It's fantastic. You finish, after, after you're finished telling me all this, all these facts, I need to talk about if any of these characters are remotely likable. Because, like, it's something that's really eaten at me. Yeah, so um, just repeating what I was saying, he wanted he wanted to do this movie, Walt Disney wanted to do this movie since after Snow White. It, the play, Peter Pan, was one of his favorite plays, and the film was actually three important landmarks for Disney Animated Studios. It was the last Disney film in which all of the nine old men worked on it. Oh, really? Uh, I think after this, two of them left. It was the last full-length Disney animated film to be distributed by RK Radio Pictures. After this, it was all Buena Vista. And it was the final Disney animated film that Ward Kimball worked on. It's a lot of lasts, this movie. Yeah, this this movie's kind of an important landmark in Disney history. It came out in 1953, and it really shows. Yeah, it does. It really shows that it came out in 1953. Holy shit. I think I think this movie and probably Dumbo are the two movies that haven't aged well, like at all. 
Dumbo is at least watchable. Oh, I, I never thought Dumbo was watchable, even as a little kid. But I don't think we'll ever have to talk about that, because I don't think they made a sequel. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yep. Okay, so you wanted to talk about uh, the characters? Oh, I did, but I also, I actually had my own little fact that I sort of knew about. I don't remember where I learned this, but I know it's true. So, in the original Peter Pan book, you don't need pixie dust to fly. And it it was added in the play... So kids wouldn't hurt themselves by trying to think of, like, Christmas time and jumping off a roof. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... The the play production and the Disney film added a lot to the original story. It, it was a very popular book, and it was a, a lot of it was just so that kids wouldn't attempt to, say, go to Neverland. Because originally Neverland was, you could get there by sea. Second star on the left, straight on till morning. That's nautical terms. In the in the second one, they subvert that by having you actually like fly into the star and it like magically opens up into a kaleidoscope. But in the first one, they're still just flying to some island that is presumably like I don't know around the Americas, like in the Caribbean maybe, just some tiny island with pirates and native people. They they offhand mentioned that there are cannibals on the island as well, which really glad that they didn't go there because i can only handle one racist stereotype per movie this that's the thing that was like i was thinking about so pan peter pan is like this weird immortal imp child and he terrorizes captain hook and these like rando regular people who just live there and he and he kidnaps children and it kind of seems like makes them forget about their parents? There's a lot about Peter Pan that's in the play that is completely kind of, and in the book, that's completely kind of erased from the movie. The The function of the play is that Peter Pan is the rep, like a symbol for the fear of growing up, and he's actually a very devilish character in the play. Like, he straight up kills lost boys that grow up. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. But in this in this version, the Lost Boys don't seem to grow up. Period. That which is a good which was a good choice on Disney's part. Um, yeah, to do that, instead I of think. having their main character a murderer. But that's the thing: the way they took him. Actually, you know what? Let me start with my least favorite character of this movie, Tinkerbell. Go on. Do you remember the first thing you learned about Tinkerbell, Andy? Uh, in the film. Yeah. Uh, she thinks she has too big of a butt. Yeah, that's that's the first thing you the first thing you learn is that she's vain. And then she is like way more sexualized than I ever realized as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's And it's like it's like skeevy as hell and I'm and I'm like sitting there thinking if that were a full-grown woman being spanked, it would not be a Disney movie. No, uh no it wouldn't. It would be a movie that you watch alone in the dark. <laughs> Your secret shame. I should say, though, I did watch Peter Pan alone in the dark, extremely ashamed, because holy shit. Oh, I mean, me too, but for different reasons. You watched it alone in the dark for different reasons? Yeah, then I watch, uh, then I watch other women being spanked alone. The- Look, it's just, it's a, <laughs> let's not get into this. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the truth will out. Oh, man, this, this, I'm... Okay, so, Tinkerbell is vain. Then you learn she's an attempted murderer. Those are the two things you learn about her. Well, also she can make people fly. 
and that she's like super into Peter Pan in a way. She's very protective of him and the movie does not at all address whether it is a romantic or lustful protection or if it's like a motherly protection. They don't they don't differentiate which one of the two it is. But it comes off as being very romantic relationshipy. It does seem like like almost a romantic relationship thing. And also, she seems like she loves him in the very dangerous way that when you love something, you think of it as yours. This whole movie is kind of filled with toxic relationships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, one of my, and we're probably going to address this later, but one of my favorite, I, I just need to say it now. One of my favorite lines from the second movie is when Captain Hook thinks he's killed Peter Pan and he says, I'm free. And I was like, oh man, I, I just, I, I really, I really want to run down the characters and why I dislike them. Because it's, it's important because the characters change in the second movie. So Tinkerbell is, is completely unlikable and terrible. Captain Hook seems like he's going to be a good villain because when you first see him, you learn that he is obsessed with Peter Pan, that he controls a bunch of um, mutinous pirates purely through fear and that he will kill them just offhand. And then you learn that he has a secret bane in a crocodile that ate his hand and that wants to eat the rest of them. But then, every time he actually goes into a fight, he's just slapped around. Yeah, he's completely and utterly powerless. Yeah, that's the thing. If he was a powerful character, and like the pretty much the only way to beat him was to use the crocodile or something, like something like that, if he had like one weakness, that would make him a really cool character. But in this, he's just not because peter pan now this is the biggest problem peter pan is like a fan fiction character he's like your sonic original character that's cooler than sonic <laughs> i mean he can fly he can fly he's, he's, he's like, amazing at sword fighting he's he's the best sword fighter and he uses a smaller sword than everybody else and he still wins and all the girls love him and he doesn't even notice it's just that he's so full of him. He's so full of himself that he almost lets his little Indian girl die because he's too busy like messing with Captain Hook. He, he well, not even messing with him at that point. He's just reveling in his victory. Yeah, it's just that's why I dislike all of the characters. <laughs> I will also say this. I'm trying to see I'm trying trying to see if there's anything in this in this list of stuff that I want to say before this last thing. Oh, okay. So Hook gets that Disney fall death. Except that he doesn't. And I guess that was that did, that kind of didn't do it for me. I believe this was the era of Disney when Disney was really really not. They were really afraid of making films too dark. Yeah, so they made them goofy. Basically. Yeah, so they really they really copped out on his death and also just a lot of moments in the film that are way too silly for me. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit too cartoony for a Disney film. Like a little bit too like Looney Tunes-esque, if you get my meaning. We'll, we'll talk more about that, I think, once we get to the second film. Yeah, because the second film kind of pushes that even more. But, pushes, but, but it pushes it to a place that's satisfying. I will say this before I even get into it. I did not love the cartoony stuff in the second film but I was ready to accept it a lot more. 
yeah, I just, the second film was just a lot better in a lot of ways. So, then there's this reveal at the end of the movie that Mr. Darling had been in Neverland. Yeah, that he remembers. Yeah, and that would have been more meaningful to me if I didn't now believe Neverland to be a hellscape. (laughs) To be this terrible, horrible, dystopian island that he probably escaped from by murdering a man. Yeah, probably. I mean, this place is nuts. There 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 was one final thing. One final thing I needed to say. There is a moment when Hook thinks he's killed Peter Pan and Peter Pan comes back and some of the crewmen shout, It's his ghost! And I was like, I am the ghost of Peter Pan! Run for your lives! <laughs> I I immediately flashed back to Pocahontas <laughs> too, And I was like, man, did... Now now I'm unsure if the whole Ghost of John Smith thing was like an homage to that, because it could have been. Oh, I hope it wasn't. Also, I never realized that Never Smile at a Crocodile wasn't in this movie. So, have you ever heard the song Never Smile at a Crocodile? I have not. Oh, really? See, I went to a school where we had music classes. Pfft, well, look to, at me, I went to a school that had music classes. And to keep... Well, I don't know if you did. To keep all the kids interested in music classes, we would do Disney songs. And one of the ones was Never Smile at a Crocodile, which is from the Peter Pan movie. Except it's actually not. You only hear... There's only the TikTok that that is in the... I, I think that song might be from the play then. Oh, it could anything. be. Because it's, uh, it's like, Never Smile at a Crocodile. And it's like, it's the same rhythm as mm-hmm. the... As the um, alarm clock. As the alarm. As the alarm clock. When like you can see Hook's Hook's eyes bug out at the same rhythm of the song. I really liked that. I thought that was really nice. Here's the thing. That song. I would have loved that song instead of almost every other song in this movie. Yeah, every song in this movie is forgettable, largely because they're not really songs. It's more just the characters having a conversation in a rhythm. There's exactly one song in this movie that isn't for- forgettable, and I wish I could forget it. Because it is horribly racist. Yes, it is. Like, very racist. But now if anybody ever says Red Man, I'll think of it. And I hope nobody says Red Man, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't want to be in that conversation either. <laughs> Just, if somebody, if I'm ever in a conversation and somebody says Red Man, I'm assuming that a man is walking by... Covered in red paint. In any other situation, I'm exiting that conversation. Don't be taken in by his welcome grin. He's imagining how you would look within his skin. You don't know that song? No, I've never heard this song. Ah, oh, it's a great song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to check it out for sure. Well, it's not like a great song, but it's, it's catchy, and it's, it could have made this movie slightly better. And this movie needed the help okay why don't you do your overview so we can get on to the second one now the story is pretty simple just you know wendy and her brothers whose names escape me um yeah i can't remember either of their names either uh i know i think one of them's name is thomas sure maybe uh but then that could also just be young thomas from pocahontas like i don't remember anymore oh young thomas keep both your eyes open you can shoot twice as well (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe you just remembered that line all right, what was what was I saying? Wendy, Wendy and her brothers got into a large fight with their father over the fact that they play pretend 
and Peter Pan comes and picks them up so that they can go off to Neverland where they don't have to grow up, but with the condition that Wendy has to be their mother, which is a weird-ass condition. Well, I think Peter doesn't really get what mothers are, so... True. He also doesn't know what a kiss is, which is kind of a plot point, but also not a plot point at all. It's it's not a plot point at all, because he sort of almost gets one, and then that's it. Here's the thing, they definitely have both mothers and kisses on Neverland. There are people there. Okay, it's, it's not important, just keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so hard, because, like, everything, everything you talk about in this movie can... All of it just leads back to just how terrible it is. So Wendy and Peter Pan go off and meet the mermaids. Thomas and the kids go off and uh, do horrible racist things. And then Tinkerbell gets banished for trying to murder Wendy. Uh, Tinkerbell ends up teaming up with Captain Hook and makes makes Captain Hook promise to not lay a hand or a hook on Peter Pan. When Wendy and the kids get back, Wendy tell Wendy reminds them all how cool it is to have a mom and they all get really sad and they all want to leave that night right now and peter pan goes off in a huff like i can't believe anyone would want to grow up it sounds terrible like the little shit that he is yeah he's a fucker wendy and the kids get kidnapped by captain hook and get taken back to the ship captain hook the honorable man that he is does not lay a hand or a hook on peter pan he instead drops a gift inside the tree that you then find out is a bomb good on you captain hook loopholes are your thing it's it's kind it's weird, right? That this is like this is what he chooses to be honorable about. And that's sort of so in the whole movie, you're sort of seeing how Peter Pan thinks of it as a game and Captain Hook doesn't. But in that way, it's almost like he does think of it as a game because he'll just shoot a guy no problem. Yeah, it's it's a very confusing thing. Yeah. But lots lots of things in this movie just don't make sense. They all get kidnapped and taken to the ship, and they assume Peter Pan is dead, and Wendy uh, and the kids are told that they either have to join the pirate crew or they'll be made to walk the plank. And Wendy, of course, decides to walk the plank because fuck these pirate assholes. Tinkerbell, after realizing that there is a bomb in Peter Pan's tree, escapes and goes to save him in the least climactic scene ever where it explodes and Peter Pan goes and gets her. There is no tension whatsoever, and then they fly off to save Wendy. And then they save Wendy! That's the thing. When everybody was captured, except for Peter Pan, I was thinking, well, now Peter Pan's gonna save him. Like... Because he's the perfect, perfect man. Nothing goes wrong with him. No dramatic tension. There's no tension in this film. Things just happen. Right. There's no moment where you're, like, holding your breath, you know? Ugh, it's, it's boring. This movie's just boring. It's, it's just boring, yeah. Peter Pan saves Wendy and the kids, defeats Captain Hook. Uh, Captain Hook gets chased away by a crocodile with with a shmee and the crew following Mr. behind Shmi. on their rowboat. Mr. Shmee. If, if anything, Captain Hook has an amazing voice actor. Here's the thing. I almost liked Captain Hook and it was weird. I could feel myself like almost liking him, but being torn away from that by the fact that he was just so bad at his job. He's bad at being a villain. He's just gotta kill Peter Pan, right? And he doesn't get close, ever. And it's like, well, what's... All villains gotta get close. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just no tension in this movie because, like, Peter Pan saves Wendy and, she ta and he takes her back home and the Lost Boys don't go with her because, quote, they just weren't ready yet. Whatever the fuck that means. Well, they weren't ready to grow up, I guess. The movie ends completely in status quo because, because I don't know why. Completely in status why. quo because because her father comes back and he's like, "Oh, I overreacted. You can still have a dog nanny. You can. You don't have to leave the nursery. You can. You don't have to grow up so quick." And it's like, 
well, she's ready to grow up now. What are you doing? I get that the lesson, the, the whole lesson of the play is that children should be ready to grow up, but they shouldn't be in a rush. Yeah. No, I understand, but like... This, but this movie just completely shits the bed with it. It does. It's terrible. By comparison, I found myself comparing uh, Jane to Wendy a lot. I like Jane's arc a lot better. It's a much more, it's an arc that has at least some change, although they do kind of bugger it up a little bit. I won't say it's perfect. It was a sequel to a terrible movie that came out 50 years after the original. I mean, it's not Literally, literally 50 years, like almost on the dot. I thought I thought it came out in like 2008. Oh, did it? I read 2003. I could be wrong. I could again. I could have been. I could also be wrong. The wrong date. It's it's Let's either 50 or 55. Either way, a long time. It's a good number to hit. Um, let's <laughs> see here, IMDb, my one-stop shop for interesting information. Yeah, we should really just have IMDb open on the computer at all times when recording. I had it open all of the uh, Pocahontas episode just because. There were so many characters whose names I couldn't remember. Yeah, I was listening back and you couldn't find, uh... Yeah, I'm not gonna bother trying to remember the name either, so don't. Yeah, yeah, but you couldn't find him because he didn't have a voice actor. Is it Udamatamakin? Yes, Udamatamakin. I listened to that episode twice. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't because it was, like, super entertaining, because I already knew what we said, but, like, I felt like I needed to know. Like, I needed to be sure. Oh, it actually came out in 2002. We were both wrong. So about 50 years, though. Uh, 49 years. So uh, as a quick wrap-up, don't watch Peter Pan. It's not a great movie. It's extremely flawed in the ways that a lot of movies that came out in the 50s were And when it comes to, you know, It will make racism. you feel bad if you ever did this. <laughs> as a kid. Because I did, and I felt really bad. Like, really bad. I just watched this movie and I was like, I was part of the problem. Yeah, if if you if you want to watch a great Peter Pan movie, the 2003, um, I think it was Paramount Pictures film is fantastic. Walter Isaacs is in it. He was Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. And he plays both Mr. Darling and Captain Hook. And he is fan-fucking-tastic. Here's the thing. In the Disney movie, I thought Mr. Darling looked a little bit like Captain Hook. And I couldn't tell if that was on purpose. I sort of love that they did that for the, uh... It's it's a holdover from the play. Oh, is it? Do you, it is the In the play, is he double-cast? Yes, in the play, it's double-casted Captain Hook and Mr. Darling. That's a great idea. Um, the movie doesn't capitalize it on it as much because Mr. Darling only kind of looks like Captain Hook. Yeah, but it's it's like a little bit striking, and I could not tell if it was, you know, on purpose. They didn't do like with The Wizard of Oz, where everybody is clearly somebody who was in Dorothy's life. I don't know why I called back to that particular movie, but here we are. I didn't like Wizard of Oz. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it just, it didn't strike with me. I think it's a it's a good first movie. It's a good piece of, of movie history. Yeah, for one of the first color movies ever, it did something really cool with it. And it was, it was really well done. I, we shouldn't be talking about this, whatever. It's, it's, it's one of my sister's, like, favorite movies. That's just, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> so right right off the bat, um, just let's let's get into it. Peter Pan Return to Neverland. So the opening in this scene is all callbacks to the original movie. There's less focus on art and more focus on the music and effects. And the cover of that second star song is a lot more catchy. 
than their original version. And it was just altogether stronger, I think. The homage to the original movie... If I had not just watched it, I would have fondly remembered the original movie because of how well they did that. Yeah, the homage was good, but here's the problem. The original movie was terrible. (laughs) That's the thing. If the original movie had been good, that would have been great. But that's the thing, though, is if if it's if it had been years since I watched the original Peter Pan and I just kind of picked this up to show my kids, I would have fondly remembered that movie. But it hadn't. It had been a mere hours. Jeez. Oh, man. Okay. Also, right off the bat, that opening was done very obviously in CGI, and it looks fantastic. The CGI in this film is, for the most part, hit or miss, but that makes it loads better than most CGI in cartoons. Yeah, I didn't hate the CGI in this film, especially with all the, like, cloud stuff, and it was clearly not as good as the first Peter Pan, where everything was very, like, meticulously drawn out, but I thought it was a good way to sort of represent the original and pull us in. I didn't, I didn't mind it. And once again, you have to forgive some CGI in a movie that has like a tenth of the budget of its original. Yeah, CGI is very cheap. Uh, I find that really weird because from what I hear, CGI is just as intensive a job. Yeah, I have no idea why it's cheaper. I I can't, I'm not going to be the one who's going to be able to explain that. (laughs) Yeah, I, it's one of those things that I've been meaning to look into, but I don't know enough about the industry to know why. So... The introduction of Peter Pan in this movie is a very obvious homage to Peter Pan's uh, introduction in the first movie, but he looks way less evil. Well, we're skipping all the way to the introduction because... Of Peter Pan. Peter Pan's first scene in the film is like at the very beginning. Oh, where he's like waving from the ship? Yeah, he's waving goodbye to Wendy and the ship is like the size of a skateboard. Yeah, but yes, he does look less creepy. His face is more like rounded i feel like they they softened up his features a lot yeah he looks a little bit less elven so he doesn't look like some kind of monster that steals children away which Which he is is. (laughs) i mean in the first movie the dog had chased him away from the nursery because she was protecting the kids yeah and she stole his shadow yeah damn right she did tore it right off of him like who just loses their shadow so Nana's a hardworking dog. Nana is a hardworking dog. So is Nana too. The sequel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was my first big problem with this movie. I thought Nana too was a bit on the nose. <laughs> I I wrote on my notes Nana too. What the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> yes. So, but there's a much harsher beginning in this movie. It's not about learning that it's okay to grow up. It's about a little girl who had to grow up very fast because she is in London in the middle of the Blitz and her dad left. Yeah, this this movie starts off really dark with... So in the beginning, Peter Pan waves goodbye to Wendy and you have uh, a narrator going, All these stories start the same. Or, or sorry, end the same. Yeah, end the same. And, like, and Wendy waves goodbye and Peter Pan sounding a lot like Peter Pan from the original movie, so good on you, Disney, for that casting, yeah, says, not bad. goodbye, Wendy. And Wendy, in the shittiest, so far, the shittiest uh, recast I have ever heard in a child voice actor from a Disney film says, bye, Peter. Like, I holy crap. Says, like, I'll always remember you. I'll Peter. always remember you. It sounds so oh, bad. Or I'll always, I'll always believe in you. Something to that effect. Be, the point is, it's not, it's not great. 
<laughs> she delivers it very poorly. Then, you know, Wendy grows up. And Wendy is dressed like Belle the whole time. And that was weird. It was weird. Like, there's only so many adult Disney female characters. Like, less than 20? And they could have come up with different clothes. And by characters, I mean protagonists. Uh, her husband, her husband who has a name, Edward, goes to war. And then we, like, fade into just all of a sudden London is bombed out. Their house is still immaculate, however, un completely untouched. I mean, I guess they're just lucky. You know, it happens. And Jane is coming home from, we later learn, the store. Oh, is she coming home from the store? Yeah. It, it, oh, because she, she got socks. Yeah, she got her brother the worst gift ever. Okay, but it's the fucking Blitz. Maybe she felt like he needed some socks. <laughs> socks that were too big so that he could grow into them. Yeah, Wendy's completely aware that she has lost the plot at this point. I have in my notes, in capital letters, for the love of God, someone grab that kid and stuff her in a bomb shelter. Because that's the right thing to do and nobody did it. No, no. Um, soldiers Like those sirens start, start going right off, you get her down, you get her underground. <laughs> Yeah, for for a character who who's like all about being an adult and growing up, that was sure a, a very stupid, childish decision to run through London while bombs are dropping. Yeah, well, she doesn't like. I mean, she might be grown up, but kids have this idea that they'll be fine. Right off the bat, by the way, Wendy is like thirty times the parent her father ever was. Yeah, she's telling her kids stories she's trying to keep them safe and comfortable when you know the worst basically the end of the world is happening around them yeah and she she throughout the beginning of the film never pressures uh jane unless jane is being overtly rude to her brother like top-notch parenting she must be super patient because guess what this is the most stressful time in her life well she's been she's been ready to grow up since she was like 10 and it's been 20 years <laughs> she's mastered it i'll say this to daniel who is Jane's little brother, is way more likable than the little kid in the first movie. It's probably because he's not in this movie for too long. Well, but the thing is, he gets mad at Jane because she's she, like, ignores him because he's a kid. And he gets sad about stuff that it would make sense to get sad about. And he gets nightmares. And all this is, like, normal kid stuff that the kids in the original movie don't do. They're just, like, goofy. And I mean, it's just this little bit, just a little, a little bit of extra push. He's a character. He's a person. I am very sensitive to bad characters because I'm always afraid I'm going to make one. <laughs> like, that's the scariest thing to me. What if I make a character and it's completely two-dimensional? I don't realize it until it's too late. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing, though. As silly as the first movie is, if Thomas or the younger brother, whose name I will never remember. I don't know. If they were only in the film for that beginning bit where they're playing around and they're like scolded by their dad and they have to go to bed and the younger one is like worried about the dog being outside. If they had just left it at that, he wouldn't have been a fully fleshed character, but he would have at least been likable. But as the film goes on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't actively start to dislike the little kid until later when he's just... You know, clearly the little kid at every point. Yeah, they, they really push on him being almost a baby, a toddler, very obviously a toddler, who can speak perfect English, though. I also like the this little, like, clever comeback when Wendy's telling Peter Pan stories and Jane calls him poppycock. 
which I I'm liked. really happy that they did that. So Peter Pan steals Captain. This isn't one of Wendy's stories. Steals Captain Hook's treasure, hides it away, and then makes Captain Hook's ship fly. This is the fairest deal that Captain Hook has <laughs> ever got out of Peter Pan. Like, this is such a good deal for, like, yeah, sure, you lost your treasure, bro, but you have a ship that can fly. You can leave. You can go home. And well, he, he does. Could, he could always leave in the first in the first movie. Smee tries to convince him to leave, and he just won't. In the second movie, leaving is obviously harder. Yes, it does suddenly become harder, but he can do it because he's got a flying ship, and he goes to another dimension, to London, to kidnap a little girl and gets the wrong one. So not not only does he go to he Captain Hook and the entire pirate crew got some straight up Batman lessons in between <laughs> yeah. these two films because they just open a window, disappear, and then appear behind Jane like it ain't no thing. That's the thing. Captain Hook is a cool villain in this one. He's not the coolest villain. He's still a coward. He's still a coward. He's still like goofy. And he actually, like, does, it, it's not as gratuitously violent, like, he's not just killing people to kill people. When he does villainous things, they work, which is much more important. He kid, he wanted to kidnap a little girl. Do you know what he did? Kidnapped a little girl. He did it. That's pretty evil. And yeah, yeah he succeed. he succeeds in this movie a lot. That's the important part. That's what makes him a, a much better character. Right. Oh, I'm going to backpedal a bit. Okay, you backpedal because there's just one little note I want to toss in once we get back to the pirates. Yeah, so um, before before Captain Hook shows up, the the reason Jane gets into an argument with her is because we, uh, Wendy gets a note that her her children are, are to be evacuated to the countryside the next day. Oh, yes. Wendy's response is, so soon, question mark? And it's like, Wendy, the house right next to yours no longer exists. My my question wouldn't be so soon. It would be, why hasn't this been done sooner? Holy shit, my kids could have died. Yeah, I know. But, like, you, you have to imagine that that's, that's rough, right? Like, you're just sending them off to a random family in the northern part of England. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it's most rough. Kids, most kids aren't going to get a Narnia house. What, then those kids are going to lead happy uneventful lives yeah and they're not all gonna die on a train in the most bullshit ending to any book series i've ever read that's not true i didn't like animorphs either animorphs ending was better than most of that book series though they'd want why didn't she end it when they won this isn't important we're getting off topic can we please go back to <laughs> yes <Pan>? sorry yes <laughs> let's <laughs> uh, was it real quick wasn't there a direct-to-video animorphs movie there definitely was. Oh, man. All right, well, we'll talk about that later. We're going to put a pin time. in that one. <laughs> yeah. Forever. A forever pin. So, yeah, I just I just wanted to bring up that. I just, I felt that reaction was, like, a bit, like, I get it. I get that she wouldn't want her kids to leave, but the house right next to hers is gone. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, it that's how sense. close they were to dying well they had a bomb shelter though but no you're right you're right she should have been well she said so soon she wanted them to leave so they'd be safe but she just wanted like i don't know another week another week every day is a day that her kids could die from I'm bombs i'm aware andy but sometimes when you love somebody 
You have to set them free. That's true. You do have to set them free. She should have put them on a a damn train. Send them to Canada. They can go to Canada. Be safe. So Wendy gets into a fight, gets kidnapped by Captain Hook, gets taken to Neverland, and already... Whoa, 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 whoa. One, I want to interrupt you because my... One of the things that really piqued my imagination happened in this scene. And two, it's Jane. You said Wendy, it's Jane. Sorry, Jane. That's probably going to happen a lot, actually. Yeah. But I just... I love the idea... That a flying pirate ship goes completely unnoticed among the bombing of London. Because they, like, run into planes. And you know those Germans are going back to the Fuhrer like, they have flying pirate ships. Okay, so so Neverland is in another dimension. It's not just some random island. Yeah, they fly through a kaleidoscope. The coolest kaleidoscope in movie history. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, that's not true. 2001 A Space Odyssey has a kaleidoscope. I still haven't seen that movie. It's very boring, but very good. So so Hook goes to feed Jane to an octopus. Yes, which is a great plan. But before we get to that, th- this is this all happens in like the first 10 minutes of the film. And in those 10 minutes, more has happened. More like there's more like emotional and just raw physical tension in this movie in the first 10 minutes than in the entirety of the original Peter Pan. Yes, because the only time, the only time there's any, I think, I feel like there's any, there's ever any real tension in the original Peter Pan is when you're wondering if the gator's gonna kill Hook yet. Otherwise, there's no tension. (laughs) This movie is already, like, I I don't want to say better, but it's it's already more fun to watch. It it is, and I'm gonna say better. It was I remember I have a note here that eleven minutes in, I stopped it and I was like, I already care so much more about these characters than I did the original. So Jane is getting fed to an octopus and Cap and Peter Pan shows up, I assume, just to taunt Captain Hook as he does. Or Captain Hook invited him, because Captain Hook does know where Peter Pan lives, so he could just invite him to his ship whenever he wants to try out a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Peter is still completely untouchable, but in this scene, he's like more aware of how obnoxious he is. And I wrote down that he's more like Spider-Man than he is Peter Pan in the first movie. Because you know how Spider-Man's pretty obnoxious, but he's like obnoxious on purpose? He he does it to kind of distract. Yeah, he's just shooting off stupid one-liners the whole time. That seems to be what Peter Pan does in this movie. Which is 100% a better direction for this kind of character. And, then, and and here's when the I'm free scene happens. And it's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Only because I feel like that's where Hook was always supposed to be as a character. It really shows us the extent to which he has obsessed over this. And I like, I like that they that they took him there so we don't get to see peter pan save wendy but honestly we don't need to because we knew it was gonna happen sorry jane fuck i'm Ah. just gonna sit here and let you do that i'm just gonna give me a sec i'm gonna write jane on my hand (laughs) maybe if i write jane on my hand i won't forget carve it into the flesh Uh, we don't need to see Peter Pan save Jane because we knew he was going to. It's like it's it's one of those things that he shows up and we're like, of course he did. I'm an I'm an active viewer. I know how this is gonna go. But the ensuing scene is fantastic. Yes, I thought it was done once again a lot better because we knew he was gonna show up and he showed up and it's, but it wasn't boring like in the other movie. We knew he was gonna show up, but it was more like we were waiting for it. Like we were like, come on, 
show up. Tinkerbell reminding me that Pixie Dust in this movie, in this cinematic universe, has no rules because <laughs> she she throws Pixie... Apparently, if you just throw enough Pixie Dust at something, it starts floating. And that octopus must have been thinking some really happy thoughts, because, but he doesn't look it because he looks super scared when he lands on that ship. That's true, because Jane needed to, like, train to use pixie dust that octopus is just he's like a the that octopus is like a buddha <laughs> he is at peace it, it, he's always at peace but until he gets a taste of captain hook and he immediately is like oh yes i love the taste of codfish i love the idea that whenever an aquatic creature eats captain hook they just immediately love how he tastes yes i do love that too but I also thought it was kind of weird that they didn't just bring the crocodile back. They offhandedly mentioned that they got rid of it, but it's like, did you kill it? Did you make yourself some nice boots? Like, what happened, man? Yeah, did you, like, escape from it? Did you trap it in ice? What happened? <laughs> At the same time, the octopus, once it gets a taste of Captain Hook, also kind of is probably Buddha because he is immediately like, I understand what my role in this movie is. It is to remind <laughs> Captain Hook of his impending death by snapping my tentacles in the rhythm of a clock. He's not even, like, at the end of the movie, sorry, jump to the end of the movie, but at the end of the movie, he chases him slowly while snapping his tentacles. And it's like, whoa! This octopus read the script of this film. And he was like, I'm down. <laughs> it feels, it almost feels like they they couldn't get the crocodile to come back, so they recast <laughs> it as an octopus. Yeah, that's what happened. God, this movie is great. Then Peter Pan goes to show Jane around the island. Well, wait, wait. Before he does that, he oh, he he rescues Jane, who is still in a bag at this point. Opens the bag up, and Jane clocks him right in the jaw. Yes. And it is oh, she does. so satisfying. So satisfying to watch this fucker just get punched. By the way, props on Jane for being the one girl who does not at some point fall in love with Peter Pan. Way to fucking go. That being said, she does get really handsy with him later on in the film. So, he takes her to see the island. They fly past a totem pole, which is the only reference that we ever see that there are natives on this island, and I'm glad they kept it that way. I would have rather they'd just flown past the mermaids. Yeah, so they go see the mermaids, and the mermaids don't try to kill her like they did Wendy. Instead, they try to dump water on her. And Tinkerbell also is more mischievous instead of murderous. Yeah, I feel like in the last 50 years, mischievous women did not equal women who want to kill you. Like, like, ooh, we finally learned the lesson that women who... <laughs> Women who are mischievous don't want to kill you. Yeah, I think I think that was it. I think it took that fifty years. I think we've uh, we've evolved as as a society. Yeah, now those are two completely separate genres of women. Now we got femme fatales, and we got those other ones. Wait, I don't think we have cool name mischievous madams. Manic pixie dream girls. No, it doesn't fit. Those are something. Uh, else. Opinionated alt chicks. <laughs> oh. I got a cat. Don't brush up again. Don't brush out. Oh, now she's on the microphone. Oh, man. We're just going to play this one by ear. <laughs> All right. So this movie's so much fun to watch. I know. It's it's so much. And I don't love this movie. I, I, I'll, we'll talk about this, I think, when we get to our, uh, our, our how we feel overall about this film. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, but it, but you're right. It is absolutely just, just a lot of fun to watch. I would watch it again if, like, I had a kid who was like into Peter Pan for some reason. I'd sit down and watch this movie. That's fine. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. The I think at this point I just want to talk about how shitty the music in this film is. Here's the thing. It's so on point. Like the lyrics, like perfectly describe everything that's happening. And that's not what you want. It's so on the... Like, even for a kid's film, it is way too on the nose. Like, oh, man. And I think that's the issue. I don't think there was anything inherently wrong with the singer or the music. It's that the lyrics were so... Like, they felt like they'd been written in five minutes after somebody had watched the scene they were supposed to write it for. This movie... It's it does a thing with its music that I really dislike it when movies do this where characters are doing something and there is a song with lyrics playing over it. I want to say it's been a long time since I've seen Tarzan. I know Tarzan does that. I can't remember if they do it well. They do it well. Yes. I feel like I feel like it does it well. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with whatever that singer's name is. That guy. I can't remember him off the top of my head. I know he's a big deal, though. <laughs> yeah, he was in a he was in a rock band, and people liked him. And I think he's Canadian. Sure, all of those are plausible. So Peter Pan is aware of the effects he has on girls, which is so important to his character development. Because in the last one, he was just completely oblivious, which made him more childlike, right? But it also it also sort of made every woman who cared about him look goofy because like what's the point if he doesn't even notice he cares so little in the first movie that he he comes off as being down not 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 just playfully ignorant but just kind of hurtfully ignorant sometimes and this movie really really makes him like he cares about the lost boys he cares about wendy he cares about jane he still he's still kind of an asshole he is but it's like tempered with all of his with all of his newfound good qualities qualities thank you his his new his new characteristics that make him actually likable so peter pan showing jane around the island she seems to really enjoy herself in that montage yeah a bit but it's like she also at her core and i mean this obviously isn't shown in the montage but at her core she does not sort of like accept this definitely she needs to go back to london she just had a fight with her mom and she feels guilty about it she wants to go apologize to daniel and give him back his toy and this might be an adult way of thinking but that's like a nice way of thinking adults can think like some real assholes it just goes to show how great of a how great of a parent wendy is i think yeah probably but the moment jane meets the lost boys she is in a living nightmare oh my god yeah she had, she wants nothing to do with anything that's going on. There's just a lot of small children with weapons who are excited and distrustful at the same time. And it's like, that's too much. This is a 10-year-old girl. She should not have to deal with this. The thing is, 10-year-old girls have to deal with 10-year-old boys, but they have other 10-year-old girls to back them up. Yeah, she's uh, she has no one um, as far as she's concerned, and she doesn't deal with it. She just walks away. She leaves. Yes, and then she builds a raft. <laughs> and collects supplies. She has the, the British flag on it. Yeah, I noted down that too. Like, where did she get it? Yeah, where did she get it? And I decided that she brought it into being out of sheer national pride. 
she is so British and so proud of her country because it's the middle of World War II, damn it, that she just willed it into... It's Neverland. Anything can happen there with faith and trust and pixie dust. They do keep saying faith, trust, and pixie dust a lot. In this movie. Because that was never said in the first movie. There was actually nothing about faith or trust. It was just about happiness. It's it's said in the song. Yeah, they said it in the in the little song. All you need is a little faith and trust and something else. Oh, okay. And then you, you that's when he right. spanks Tinkerbell's bottom. And then he spanks Tinkerbell and Tony had to leave. Only for like, well, <laughs> that's not important. <laughs> Are you really? Don't give a time. Don't give a time. Don't give a time. Only for 3 hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay give me a minute (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay oh geez (laughs) that's way too long wendy wendy's explaining to him why she wants to go home and uh yes jane is explaining to him i'm oh man this is gonna haunt me for my for the rest of my life jane is explaining to peter why she wants to go home and peter pan's uh, Peter Pan's reaction to most of it is just, why? Why? Like, he's very petulant in this scene. But it's petulant and also and also curious. And it makes, it makes once again, it makes a childlike thing more... It feels like you could put up with it more. Yeah, like, he wants to understand, but he's also still, a, like, he's still a kid. Um, and he's still annoying. And at one point, she says to him, like, because I told them that you didn't exist. And his reaction is like, why would you ever say that about a person? (laughs) That's terrible. Of course I exist. I'm right here. Like, the thought never crosses. Like, I find it really interesting that thought never crosses Peter Pan's mind that some people just don't believe in him. Here's the thing. I, I only have, like, ten notes for the rest of the movie. And it's not a lot. And I think I had just gotten into watching the movie. (laughs) because <laughs> i didn't i i don't really have anything about captain hook cornering jane scene and that scene's great all i have is this note that says i like this version of captain hook he's got a first name and everything my favorite thing about that scene is captain hook's mom no captain hook's mom who's clearly just like him in a wig see here's the thing is it's either him in a wig in drag or that's actually what his mom looks that's like. That's just and, what his mom looks like. And both scenarios are amazing. She's dead, right? Oh, she has to be. Captain Hook was a pirate during, like, the 1800s. Yeah, like, he... In Disney's version of Neverland, you don't age while on Neverland. That's what it seems to be. And he's been in Neverland for a long time. Hundreds of years. Probably. Right? Just hunting Peter Pan. Just caught up in Peter Pan's, like, web. But there's this other side of of the whole mythos. Wendy and her mom have all these stories about Peter Pan that they couldn't have known happened because they weren't there, but they are true. Where do they get them from? Do children tell the stories? Or do mothers tell stories of Peter Pan and they just, because he's in, like, some weird parallel dimension happened to be correct i always assumed it was kind of just one of those things that like because children believe that it happened it obviously happened yeah like it's kind of that mentality 
That's the rule that they're going with. And so it kind of makes Neverland timeless, but Captain Hook's existence as a pirate from the 1800s means that Neverland could not have existed until Captain Hook did. Or maybe it's like a Dread Pirate Roberts. Maybe there's always been a Captain Hook, but he's been different people. Maybe Neverland is floating on the skeletons, all of them wearing hooks. So every time Peter Pan accidentally kills a Captain Hook, he just goes, kidnaps another one? Yeah, or another one, maybe he doesn't even need to kidnap him. Maybe he just floats in. Or maybe he goes out and finds the first ship. By the way, I think we're currently writing a fan fiction of uh, Peter Pan, and I I really like it. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> in in one of the original i don't know if this is in the book or not but i have heard this is that some of the lost boys that grow up and don't get killed by peter pan join captain hook's crew and that's why they follow captain hook because they also hate peter pan for trying to kill them just for growing oh, up geez. and that makes and that makes a lot of sense but it still doesn't explain who the fuck captain hook is i don't know if he ages in the original stories but he doesn't he doesn't age in this it's very curious as a quick aside, there is a moment when Jane meets the Lost Boys where Peter Pan and the Lost Boys spit into their hands and then shake hands. And there is so much animation put into this scene. <laughs> like, yeah, they uh-huh. went all out. There's like all, all the spit like flying everywhere and sticking to each other. A lot. There's a lot of work in that scene. <laughs> yeah, they, they put a lot of work into making that spit look as disgusting as possible. But it really drove home that she was the only girl in the room. Not two minutes after this scene, when Jane says, hey, I'm taking off, she reaches out to shake Peter Pan's hand, and Peter Pan's all, I don't know what a handshake is. Fuck off, you just shook hands with all the Lost Boys two minutes ago. Here's the thing that I didn't even notice that, because I was worried about the fact that she reached out to shake his hand. Like, what? You just you just saw that go down. Because she's an adult. And adults shake hands. Okay, but he's gross. <laughs> yeah, he's a gross boy that never ages, so he's forever gross. Then she then she gets into a fight with Peter Pan for existing, I guess, and yells that Tinkerbell doesn't exist. And everybody's, like, offended about it, but nobody seems to understand that it's basically the worst thing you can say to a fairy. I don't understand how the rules of fairies are. Because, like, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys add up to, uh, I think about seven people. And they all should believe in fairies enough for that to work, right? For Jane not believing in fairies to single-handedly kill Tinkerbell at her core, like, her disbelief is so strong, she is like a level 9,000 god because their belief does nothing. I won't say that it makes sense, but it is a reference to the original book, because Wendy kills tinkerbell she just says i don't believe in fairies and tinkerbell just dies and she's like oh oh and and peter's like you have to clap and say you believe in fairies then she'll get back up and so she does that and she gets back up (laughs) i've never read the book i'm told that this happened i don't know it's a double-edged sword for fairies to bank on like people believing in them to bring them back to life because like on the one hand, yeah, sure, you dying is a pretty great way to get somebody to instantly believe in fairies out of guilt. But also, <laughs> Jane doesn't care. Well, here's the thing. There's a couple things about this. One, if I remember correctly, fairies can't really get hurt in the Peter Pan universe. They can only be hurt by not believing being in believed them. In. And it's instantly fatal. And two, there is a Peter Pan story where he has grown some because despite Despite the fiction that surrounds him, 
in the stories, he ages, but like not at a regular pace. There is a Peter Pan story where I guess he's like given up being some sort of pixie god and just like becomes a person. And like Wendy asks him about Tinkerbell and he has forgotten about her. And then he says, oh, I know who you're talking about. I think she went away. It is understood in this scene that because he grew up and stopped believing in fairies, Tinkerbell died. It's also entirely possible, like, that as he's growing up, Tinkerbell makes the decision consciously, like, I have to go. I guess, but I don't think that was how it was implied in, in the book. The book was, the books were actually dark. Like you said, he was killing Lost Boys. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> Immediately after Jane storms off after not believing in fairies, the movie decides to flash back to the entire beginning of the film. Oh yeah, that was weak. We spend two minutes rewatching the first ten minutes of the film, thirty minutes into this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I only saw it like half an hour ago. I don't need to see it again. I'm not a mathematician. Oh wait, yes I am. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> do that in your movie. <laughs> like, holy shit. I imagine you in front of a chalkboard with this huge, long, like, algebraic formula. It just ends with equals fucking stupid. Because <laughs> I just, it's the one thing this movie does that I thought was really bad. It's like they needed to kill, like, five minutes to make it full length, and they didn't have anything. Then we, fi we finally get to the Captain Hook scene where he kind of swindles her into helping him. And she... In, in, in a scene that would make Batman proud, reverse Batman's Captain Hook and s manages to not only sneak up behind him, but also steal his sword, which was sheathed. I feel like he'd set that up, but I could I could be remembering wrong. But let's not forget that at the end of that scene, he fades into the he <laughs> fades into the trees like a fucking tiger. Like, okay, so first of all, girl, don't trust a guy who hears things about you from quote sources. <laughs> this is this is some primetime dating advice. If a guy hears about you from sources, that's a guy that's not to be trusted. Well, it's the twenty first century. He he saw you on facebook second thing if he calls facebook sources you have a whole different problem that's true it actually is he could have said i saw you on facebook he could not be an asshole about it secondly hey jane your mom wendy told you stories about captain hook growing up you know that he can't be trusted you know this intrinsically this is a thing you know about him that's a good point i didn't i didn't really think about that i knew that she knew about captain hook but she must have heard a lot of stories that are about him betraying people. Because that's like his deal. He makes these promises that technically aren't lies. And then like swoops in through the loophole. And she, she should have seen this coming. She makes him promise not to lay a hand or a hook on Peter Pan. And, P and Captain Hook responds, I promise I will not harm a single hair on his head. Setting up one of the greatest comebacks in the history of Disney films. I love that because I was watching it. I'm like, I don't see how he's, he said he wouldn't hurt him. <laughs> and I was like, isn't he supposed to, isn't he supposed to, supposed to like slither out of it? He's not going to straight up break his word. That's not what he does. And then, <laughs> and then he comes back with the, this is the single hair I won't hurt. Uh, it's so good. I bet the writing room, the people, the poor people who had to write this movie that day walked out of the writing room like not only we fucking 
Knocked it out of the park. We nailed it, you guys. High five. Who cares that we're stuck making this Disney sequel? This line is amazing. We're getting drinks for the good reason. <laughs> so Jane is given uh, is given a whistle by Captain Hook to let him know where the treasure is. And Peter Pan realizes that the only way to bring Tinkerbell back to life is to make, well, not make, but make Jane believe in fairies again. So they both meet up and just low-key start manipulating each other. <laughs> And the movie doesn't go into this, but I really wish it did because I think it's kind of great. I feel like that whole scene, they did like a montage, but I feel like that whole scene should have been like longer and better drawn out in the way that she was trying to find the treasure and he was trying to get her to believe in fairies. And like she immediately decides that she's not gonna blow the whistle. The movie makes the mistake of having a character change in the middle of a music number. Yeah, and once again, we said this last time, but I do think it can be done well. I've seen it be done well, but, you know, Disney sequel, you gotta, you can't fall into that trap. Also, that song is particularly egregious. It is just noise. Yeah, I don't even remember it, but her, like, goofing off and maybe starting to believe in peter pan and fairies and neverland more and maybe starting to think less and less that she should get out of here by getting this treasure that would have been that would have been a little bit better and the way they did it was it was boring it was passable i think you know it's it's just competent enough that it doesn't it doesn't make me mad but it just it does make me wish it was better it doesn't hurt the story but it it doesn't add to the story that's what it is you know that she won't blow the whistle because she wouldn't be a likable character if she did. So you know that she won't blow the whistle, so she doesn't. And then a kid blows the whistle. And she immediately is horrified. And then she still gets the, you know, she still gets the audience liking her and the betrayal points. So Peter Pan get and, and the Lost Boys get kidnapped by Hook. Hook drops that killer line. Mad ups to Hook for kidnapping Peter Pan. Bravo. The scene where the pirates throw ropes over his wrists to capture him so that he can't fly away, that's great. They capture him, Peter Pan, Peter Pan, like, gets really mad at Jane. I almost called her Wendy again. Gets really mad at Jane and yells at her, because of you, Tinkerbell's dying because you don't believe in fairies. Or, sorry, her light's gonna go out because you don't believe in fairies. Right, they don't say dying because it's a sequel. Yeah, and Jane is immediately distraught. Like, she uh, she betrayed Peter Pan. She feels bad about it. She just found out that Tinkerbell is dying. So she runs over to Peter Pan's house. By the way, again, just to remind everybody, Captain Hook knows where Peter Pan lives now. Yeah, that's never really addressed. But once again, maybe your theory is right. And since they're, like, inside stories, he can't go attacking the house again. But yes, he does know where he does know where Peter Pan lives, and Tinkerbell lives in a little like hovel part of the tree and dies there. Wendy finds her. Ah, 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 ah you did it again! Oh my goodness, Jane! Jane makes it to Peter Pan's treehouse. I hope you're keeping score at home because I. I'm not. <laughs> uh, leave us a comment on iTunes on how uh, how often Andy calls Jane Wendy. So often. I'm also told that's how we actually get new viewers, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be great. Yeah, so do that. Anyway. <laughs> Tell people about Jane us. finds Tinkerbell. Jane finds Tinkerbell, and Tinkerbell's light is already out, and Jane feels so sad that she starts crying, giving me further proof that Simba just didn't cry hard enough to bring his dad <laughs> back to life. 
because it seems no, to work. Andy, no. It seems to work for everyone else. If you just cry hard enough, people come back to life. Not before there is like just the worst continuation of this song, where the girl so- sings something like now i have to believe or something and it's like <laughs> jesus christ lady it's so and she's not a bad singer it's just the words that she's singing are terrible it's like somebody paid the lyricist 15 bucks and said write something for the peter for the new peter pan movie and whoever this lyricist was said okay <laughs> sure why not so tinkerbell comes to life and jane is immediately like i have a plan to save everybody let's go let's go do you know what i survived bombs tinkerbell let's get this done uh we immediately cut to peter pan captain kirking his way through this scenario like (laughs) don't don't harm my boys only harm me and (laughs) captain hook Captain Hook is like, oh, 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 Captain Hooking his way through this scene. This, yeah, obviously. This interaction is my favorite. Like, there are a lot of great visual gags in this movie. This scene has my favorite one where uh, Captain Hook, A, ties Peter Pan to an anchor to ensure his death. No, sorry, shackles him to an anchor to ensure his death. Good on you, Captain Hook. You're really thinking this one through. It's pretty smart, yeah. As Peter Pan walks the plank, he turns around and is met by a wall of swords, and he tells the Lost Boys... Don't let them see you cry, man. And the Lost Boys <laughs> all shift to the other side of the of yeah. the mast that they're tied to and start sobbing as loudly as they can. And it is the best visual gag in a movie filled with pretty great visual gags. But here's here's the thing that I really like about this movie. So about three times in the last movie, Peter saves everyone. He just swoops in and saves everyone. In this movie, that's completely subverted. Peter is in serious shit. And so Jane swoops in and saves everyone. And it's great because once again, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't I didn't know how she was going to do it. And I was excited to learn. It's pretty great. And yeah, and sh- and they totally save the day. They take out the pirates and in in a great in like a scene that's really like this is an idea only a kid would think of. They start throwing the jewelry and the gold in the treasure chest overboard to get the pirates to not attack them. Yeah, and they all dive overboard after it. I thought that was a little goofy, but there was a lot of goofy stuff in this movie, and it wasn't bad. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty like, and not only that, but from like a from like a little kid standpoint, it. I think it would work really well. Yeah, it seems it seems like the greatest plan ever. Peter Pan this entire time actually is tied up and just watching this happen. He doesn't get to to act in this final climactic scene yet, which is pretty important because he's sort of uh he's a bit OP. He's a bit OP. He's kind of he's kind of a Mary Sue character, you know. And they really fixed that in this film. I think they did. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like and I hate to keep referencing other films, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. It's a good. It's a good. You know, way. in the Princess Bride, how Wesley is super OP. And he can do anything he wants. Yes. And then he dies. Well. Well, he does. He dies. And then he can't do anything he wants anymore. And so he still wins in the end. But you, you, it's interesting because you have him starting at the highest he can start at and just slammed him down to nothing. And now he's still got to win. And that's sort of, that's sort of what they do with Peter in this movie. 
it it's good storytelling to either have somebody who's at the bottom rise to the occasion or has somebody who's already met the occasion fall below it and then kind of have to re-rise they're both good arcs and almost it again jane (laughs) gets into a mano a mano fight with captain hook almost loses and then trust falls into the sea Only to be caught by faith and trust and pixie dust and flies her way out of it. And that was a great scene. It was a little bit gratuitous because I was thinking, well, at any point during this whole hyping herself up moment, Hook could just stab her. Oh, yeah. No, she very much could have either already jumped off instead of monologuing and Hook could have totally run her through while she was monologuing. But it's a kid's film. So like, whatever. But I also feel like if she had jumped off and been able to fly, then kids would have still gotten it. Yeah, they would have understood. But it's I mean, that's such a little such a little like nitpicky thing in this big, pretty decent final battle, you know? Yeah, it's it's a pretty good climax. And she frees Peter Pan, who immediately, like, Peter Pan's his way out of the situation. He defeats Captain Hook, and the crew have already kind of belayed themselves onto a lifeboat for the ending of this film. Because they all had to jump after the treasure. And then, of course, who shows up? But everyone's favorite octopus. Well, I mean, I know other octopus. You know, it's fine. It's fine. He could be my favorite right now. Everyone's favorite recast. The octopus shows up. Uh, He has grown since the last time we saw him because he is now the size of this ship or the ship has shrunk. Both are entirely possible. I think they just don't they destroy the ship with the octopus. So Peter Pan drops the anchor that he was tied to onto Captain Hook while Captain Hook is falling. And Captain Hook crashes through the ship, lands on the octopus. The octopus chases him through the ship. And in the process, he makes that hole even bigger. As the ship is sinking, Peter Pan says, You know, Captain Hook, every good captain has to go down with his ship. And in a line that perfectly epitomizes Captain Hook's character, he says, Yeah, I I do love this line. I don't want to be a good captain. I love that. I love that. That line and the I'm free line are my favorite Captain Hook bits. I love Captain Hook in this movie. He's a likable villain. He's not... He's not any better as a villain. We see him succeed more. It makes his failures taste sweeter. And also, we sort of get a look into his mind. The kind of mind that's been chasing a small child for decades, at least. For a long time. Possibly centuries. They win. Uh, Captain Hook and the crew are all chased away by the octopus, who now realizes, I'm a pretty big guy. I could probably eat all of them. (laughs) Yes. The movie kind of wraps itself up really quickly, but that's that's kind of okay because the last movie kind of wrapped up too quickly as well. Yeah, it did. It sort of just, oh, don't worry, Jane, don't worry, Wendy, you can, oh, I did it backwards. Did you hear that? Don't worry, Wendy, you don't have to grow up, and then that's sort of it. And then uh, in this film, you know, Jane kind of resigns herself, like, she's learned her lesson, and she says, well, I guess it's time for me to go home, and Peter's like, yep, let's get you there. And her and him just and the Lost Boys and Tinkerbell, although the Lost Boys don't make it. I assume they just flew back home. Yeah, I guess. It seems like Fairy Dust doesn't last as long in the second movie. Yeah, it definitely has a timer on it. Side note, Jane is a much be- is much better at flying than her mother ever was. She immediately gets the hang of it. That's true, but also her mother could fly for longer. So it's like maybe she wasn't using the dust at its full power. She was flapping, putting a lot of shoulder into that flying. 
she just maybe she was just thinking about how birds do it jane and peter fly back to london and jane wakes up at home and and this this always confused me because the last movie did this as well it really makes the whole movie feel like it was all a dream but then they make it clear that it's not it's very clearly not yeah because even after they wake up and it was like oh it's all a dream i mean there was a boat in the first movie that everybody saw and then in the second movie we have the sort of fateful peter and wendy scene which is done really well which is done i thought it was done pretty well but i was i was sort of wondering the whole movie if they were gonna do it especially that last scene it looks like they're gonna have a really like um poignant peter looks at her and then runs away thing and then they subvert it and then they do subvert it wendy sees peter and kind of is like you know i I always believed in you and he's like of course you did i'm me and then he leaves and everyone says goodbye and little daniel's like see peter pan he's totally real oh and then and then jane starts telling them like a peter pan story and that's kind of nice that's so cool and um nana too is way more into these peter pan stories than nana ever was yeah nana was not not having it not having it at all and there's a good reason for that it's because peter pan kidnaps people is a psychopath and this version of peter pan is once again softer in a lot of ways more likable more relatable and then just in time for the end of the movie their dad comes home i assume in a stolen truck because he's all alone in it yeah here's the thing about this scene it's got to be the most bittersweet return so it's the middle of a war he might be injured in that case he could come home he might have run away in that case he could come home i can't think of another reason why unless he'd been dishonorably discharged no he he could be on leave he could also be on leave but either way those kids still have to leave in the morning yeah they still have to go to the countryside but for a moment they get to be a family again it seems like a pretty bittersweet pill to swallow personally all i was thinking at the end of the movie was that a pretty good place to wait out the blitz would be neverland <laughs> yeah, because time passes for the rest of the world, even though it doesn't in Neverland. Sort of, I guess. Well, although sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. She spent days in Neverland. Jane did. And so did Wendy. Yeah, but it's only a night in real time. So time definitely passes more strangely. Yeah, I guess the rules the rules of Neverland just follow the whims of the story, which in any other situation would be a shitty cop-out, but... In this kind of works, just because of how abstracted everything is. Yeah, it's it's also like sort of another Narnia thing, where when you're there, it takes no time, but once you leave, like hundreds of years could pass or something, which was actually one of my issues with Narnia growing up. I was like, well, I just got used to these characters. Now I guess they're all dead. I have to keep bringing up Narnia because the kids run away from the Blitz. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, and so this this movie kind of ends on that bittersweet note, but characters had arcs and the and that it's it was fine. And uh the end a quick aside on the end I don't know if you watched the end credits at all. Was there something important? Well no, just they were pretty good credits. Like they had this little storybook thing going on with them that was nice. Okay. I think I saw maybe the first couple credits, so I didn't stay to watch and see if the rest looked as good, which I probably should have. I think it's only the prelim credits like after afterwards it does kind of go back to the whole names scrolling up in a black in a black void but it, it was nice that they did that songs are still terrible though unfortunately oh yeah the the two big things that this movie does bad are the is the music which is the lyrics are so bad and the the two minute montage where we get to rewatch the first 10 minutes again it just i didn't need that 
Yeah, yeah, that was also bad. But otherwise, it's a pretty solid movie. It's not gonna be anybody's favorite movie, I think. But it could pretty easily be somebody's favorite Peter Pan movie, especially animated Peter Pan movie. The The word I would use to describe this movie is it's... After I watched Peter Pan, the word I used to describe it is irredeemable. Yeah, the, the first Peter Pan is absolute... It's, it is irredeemable in almost every way. Uh, like again if you're if you really want to look into like the history of disney or the history of animation it's still worth watching but it is very much a product of its time do you know what somebody i heard this describe i I heard this uh this um trait described before this movie just has heart yeah it does and it's like it's yeah it's got a lot of flaws and it's not great it's got a decent story it's got good character arcs and at the end of the day you want to care about these characters. And not only that, but this movie has a lot of just little moments between certain characters that are great. It's not perfect, but it's also largely really good. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And also, com- once again, compared to Peter Pan, it might as well be perfect. It, when you set the bar that low, I mean, it's it's a lot easier to watch, for sure. It's a lot more fun to watch. It's uninsulting. Especially after, once again, especially after Peter Pan. That's a good way to describe it. Uninsulting. You can sit down, you can watch it, you can stand back up and say that was pretty good. I believe, unless you have any objections, I believe it's my turn to choose the next movie. Yeah, nope, it's it's your go. Hit me with your best shot. So the sequel is, pr- is probably going to be terrible, but at least the original Disney movie is just like regular fun and I don't have to sit through Peter Pan again. <laughs> so we're going to watch Kronk's New Groove. Oh no, I watched this movie twice. I have never seen it. So yeah, give us uh, give us a quick review on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, something else that we should do is tell people where they can find us as people. That's a good idea. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. You can find me at twitter.com. Uh, that's going to be at Royalty Valens. So that's R-O-Y-A-L-T-Y underscore because it's important. V-A-L-E-N-S. And the funny thing is, that is a fairly new username, and it really gave me a jolt the last time, the first, like, a, a week ago when I tried to tweet at him. I was like, whoa, wait a second, that's not right. I, I changed it just recently because I was like, A, I've been needing to change my username, and B, I needed to change it to something that was easy to find and, like, tell people about. Synergy. Business. Yeah. I'm doing yeah, it all. Good. And uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I am also at Twitter.com. At theater bats, that is. Did you spell it theater or theater? Theater. No, it's a T H E A T E R bats. Uh, and I also have a comic at inspiredbytrueevents.org, which you might like if you like hearing about us talking about like stupid shit for two hours. <laughs> it's it's in the same ballpark. Um, and then a really a really quick plug just so that. Uh, if people want to watch a good Peter Pan movie, it does exist. It is a 2003 movie. Go look it up. It is fantastic. It is not on Netflix, unfortunately, but it's worth watching. Man, I should watch this movie. It sounds good. You're really selling me on it. I really like it. I really like it, and it is way better than this than the original Peter Pan movie. And Walter Isaacs is in it as Captain Hook, and that's a great casting decision. It seems, yeah, it seems like a really good casting decision, actually. I feel like he could definitely pull that off. 
It's a fun movie. Uh, the CGI is a bit rough because it did come out in the early 2000s. Actually, it came out at about the time that this one will come out, right? Yeah. So it's a bit rough to watch, okay. but it's it's fun. Thank you so much for listening. I am Tony Robusto. And I am Disney apologist Andres Reyes. And next week we are watching Kronk's New Groove. Okay, real quick aside, just a real quick aside. Uh, the 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 Native American girl that he rescues, her name is Princess Tiger Lily, and there are three reasons why her name is so fucked up. Princesses didn't exist in Native American culture, tigers didn't exist in North America, and lilies didn't exist in North America. Like, what the fuck is this name? I was not aware that lilies did not exist in North America. There is probably a species of lily that did, but it was definitely not called a fucking lily. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty terrible. <laughs> like, uh, and that's the least, least offensive part of all of the Native American stuff is that is her name is that is the least offensive part.